I'm Craig Kenneth, a relationship coach and a psychotherapist. Every relationship is different and every breakup is different. Work with me and you'll get professional help on your situation. And if you're in no contact, focused on personal growth, my creative healing course is filled with hours of exclusive content. Available now at AskCraig.net. Hi there, I'm Coach Craig Kenneth. I'm Coach Margaret. And today we're gonna to be looking at avoidant versus disorganized attachment style. Okay, so dealing with attachment is not like something that's set in stone, no, right Margaret? That's right, I'm glad you said that. We're yeah. dealing with a very fluid issue, you know, because we're dealing with a lot. We're dealing with, uh, you know, something that's not necessarily definable mm -hmm. because it's, you know, an internal struggle that's impacted by, I mean, literally all of your attachment mm -hmm. uh, interactions over your life and, and trauma you've experienced and, you know, connections you've had. And so it gets really tricky. But understanding it and understanding that, you know, that there's something there can help you navigate. And nobody is unredeemable, okay? I don't believe there's anybody who can't change if they want to. I agree with you. But it can be extremely difficult. Yes, yes. And making those changes and sticking to those changes can be very challenging. And some of the material you have to deal with is very painful. Yes, it is. So it takes a lot of guts. Mm -hmm. It really does. We haven't gotten into a lot of stuff about disorganized on the channel. Right. Um, we had we actually created some really good videos for the new course mm -hmm. and content for it in there. Um, oh right, yeah. So we we have some good stuff in there that you can check out, um, but. Um, we do want to get into it in this video because understanding that, you know, there are some people that, you know, do struggle with closeness and they struggle with space and regulating their emotions and all of those things. And, you know, even the avoidant kind of struggles with both of those things, maybe to a lesser extent than the disorganized person. But they're dealing with the, it's not that the, the avoidant person only wants space. No, they want closeness too. Oh, of course, so they wouldn't get into relationships and inevitably they do. Yeah. One of the research articles I wrote when I was looking at this, the man was saying, I never worked with a, an avoidant person who wasn't in a relationship. You really? Know? Yeah. Hmm. So, you know, there are some similarities between the disorganized and the avoidant. We're going to talk about that because I think Margaret has the big one. Yeah. Right? Right. I read several articles when I wanted to define this a little more clearly, but we hear so much from avoidant folks and 
you know, people with disorganized attachment that, yep. you know, we can't say enough about it or, or know enough about it. And avoidant dumpers yep. that come to us for help too. Absolutely. Dump. And then are hysterical. Yes. That, they, that the woman won't talk to them or the man won't talk to them. Oh, yep. yeah. So don't think that disorganized uh, people or, or, I mean, uh, avoidant people don't come to get help. They do. They do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what is disorganized attachment disorder? And this nice lady who's named Abby Moore and works at Mind Body Green, there are various places, my tango, your, your tango rather, Mind Body Green that collect um, articles that have to do with relationships. Okay? Okay. Um, so this is Abby Moore from Mind Body Green. Um, because it comes up into, with a huge percentage of the folks we talk to, we keep going back to the subject. Yep. Um, what this woman points out, which I thought was quite fascinating, was that disorganized attachment is an absolute combination of anxious attachment style and the avoidant attachment style. Where this person has high anxiety and desperately wants relationships, but also high avoidance. Mm -hmm. Okay? Now, I don't know that you see the anxious quality quite so much in somebody who's just called avoidant. But as Craig said, we struggle to find the right words to, to describe this. Yep. Uh, okay. Um, so disorganized attachment is a combination of the two styles. Think about that. If you desperately want to be close to people, but when you start to get what you want, you panic and push them away. What a terrible dilemma for any human being to have to live in. Okay. Um, so here are some of the signs. Chaotic, unpredictable, or intense relationship patterns and behavior. Yep. Okay. Extreme fear of rejection, coupled with difficulty connecting to and trusting others, including a partner. Like I say, what a terrible dilemma to have. Mm -hmm. um, extreme need for closeness, coupled with the tendency to avoid closeness and push others away. Okay. Mm -hmm. Sometimes becoming aggressive, and mostly verbally, but certainly sometimes physically, mm -hmm. toward a partner yep. that you desperately need but can't get close to. Mm -hmm. um, fear of a partner. Okay? Mm -hmm. Negative self-image and low self-worth. And that goes through all of the attachment styles. The degree to which you have no self-esteem or self-image that you're happy with. Mm -hmm. Okay? Um, Deep-rooted shame. I'm going to talk about shame one day. Not that it's a happy subject, but it's a very real subject. Being um, a Red Sox fan, you know a lot about that. Bully. <laughs> bully Yankee. I do, yes. Uh, the last Red Sox pitcher looked like he just finished his last Little League game. Um, okay. And going into retirement? Yes, and going into retirement. Anyway, I'm going to talk about shame one day. Mm-hmm. My favorite definition of it, the one I like the best, is feeling alone, helpless, and unlovable. Wow. Okay. Awful feelings. Awful. Yeah. Um, often these folks are depressed and anxious at the same time. All right? Wow. Um, they feel unlovable and inadequate or unworthy, and that would connect again to the shame thing. Yep. Um, beware the, the person who says, I don't like to talk about emotions. Yeah. That's a big that's a big tip. All right. So people with disorganized attachment crave connection but they can't get it. Mm -hmm. Now, it is a consequence of abuse and trauma 
in childhood. Now, the literature is internally consistent about that, okay? That it is trauma-based. Nobody who came from a happy childhood ends up desperate for closeness and terrified of it at the same time. They do not. Okay, the craving for closeness is more pronounced in the disorganized attachment than in the plain old avoidant. All right. When kids grow up, and here's the trick, when kids grow up feeling afraid of the same person that he is seeking love and care from, it can affect the way he views himself and close relationships as an adult. Let me say it again. If you're a little kid, and I mean really little, and the same person you love and takes care of you also hurts you, okay, then that does a huge number on you because it's an insoluble dilemma. It's not safe to be either close or distant, okay? You need the closeness, but you're scared. Put another way, when babies or kids learn that someone who loves them can also deeply hurt them or ignore their needs, it creates inner turmoil that manifests in other later relationships. And, you know, if you say to somebody who's, for example, in a domestic violence relationship, well, how can the same person who loves you hurt you? Sometimes they look at you blankly because their life experience have ta have ta has told them that that's perfectly possible. So why would I think that if he hurts me, he doesn't love me? Okay? Wow. Um, and I don't know how well we've in integrated that into domestic violence work, but we've come a long way on that count. As with any insecure attachment style, self-awareness and a commitment to growth are the first steps in coping with disorganized attachment. While it may take some work, it's possible to develop healthy relationships and greater sense of self-worth. Okay? Now here's the best description of this dilemma that I've read, and I borrowed, stole this from a current bestseller. Okay. When John's mother became, and I've changed the names, when John's mother became ill suddenly, he was two and a half. Okay. Um, his main source of comfort was suddenly taken away from him. Devastating. Absolutely devastating. Not only was there no one to help him make sense of it, like he didn't know what happened to his mother. She was sick, but it doesn't sound like anybody ever explained it to him. Okay. Um, there was no one there to help him make sense of it. His father was the only person left that he could depend on. Okay. John's needs, which had been met inconsistently before his mother became ill, were barely met at all by his father. The father would, by default, become the primary source of John's solace, when he was much more likely to be a source of fear and rejection. So here's this poor little kid looking to dad for comfort, for solace, for somebody to cling to, and dad doesn't know what to do with him. And probably says, go look for your sister. Go look, probably said, go look for your sister. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to do with you. Okay, think about the impact on a little kid, a vulnerable little kid. Okay, that put John in an intolerable position of being totally dependent on his father, who was also likely to be the source of his terror. Okay, I thought that was extremely well put. All right. Yep.
And so imagine trying to attach to anybody else when the people that you're supposed to attach to treat you like that. They, exactly. they disappear. You don't yeah. know why. You, you don't, don't know what know happened why. to them. And then what, you know, who's left. And you're angry and sad and desperate. Mm -hmm. And desperate. You know, Margaret, the longer we do this, the more it's apparent to us that, you know, all of those early attachments we have are directly related to our ability to do it in our romantic relationships. Absolutely. And our mental health. Right. I cannot tell you this enough. If you ever have children, pick them up, hold them, be attentive to them, their needs. You cannot spoil an infant. No, you cannot people, spoil people a child. People used to think you could. I grew up in the era of Dr. Spock, who said you can spoil an infant by responding to them when they cry. No worse words have ever been spoken. And didn't he have a family member that wound up committing suicide because yes. of that? And who there was that? There were probably a few other people. I don't know who exactly it was. Mm -hmm. Dr. Spock, he was the man for a long time. Mm -hmm. So... It's absolutely critical that you begin to understand this and this is why people become disorganized. It's not because things were good, even if their family looks good now. That's, that's the trick. Because you can look <laughs> at people and you know they mellowed in their old age and it looks like everything is wonderful, but that doesn't mean it always has been wonderful. So, Margaret, yeah. the big difference between the avoidant mm -hmm. and the disorganized mm -hmm is what? Is the mix with the anxiety. The intense. The intense anxiety. anxiety. Right. Um, you look at the avoidant, and the avoidance is what you see, but you look at the disorganized person and you see the, the anxiety just as much. Mm -hmm. Okay? Yep. Exactly. Yep. Um, and I would also say that not everybody who's disorganized is a borderline, but probably everybody that's often, a borderline often is disorganized. Often times. Right? Yeah. I mean, it would be very hard to yeah. They're very separate clear. It. And understand, borderline is a formal diagnosis that, if you're in the field, you know, has to do with early um, attachments and so forth. Um, avoidant isn't a diagnosis, it's just a category that um, Dr. Bowlby gave us to help mm -hmm. describe the behavior. So it's hard to get the words all right, and all we can do is try to describe the almost impossible to describe as best we can. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, now, as I thought about all this, I get lots of calls from, you know, desperately anxious and hurt people who want to know what they can do to help the avoidant in their life. Yep. Okay? What do you think happens if you tell an avoidant to go to therapy? Hmm. Craig, you should go to therapy. I don't need therapy. I like the way that I am. I don't have a problem. You have a problem with me. That's right. <laughs> That's the response you're going to get. Yeah. Um, and you have to remember, I think one of the good things about understanding where all this comes from is you realize it's not the person's fault. Mm -hmm. Okay? Um, now, they have to realize that. But usually the, the immediate response of the avoidance says, yes, I'm fine, I don't know what's wrong with you. You're too needy. You want too much of me. You smother me, mm -hmm. okay? Um, okay, so I thought because it's not a really good idea to tell avoidance to go to therapy, because the therapist is one more person who might try to smother or control you, mm -hmm. that probably there should be another alternative. So I looked up self-help for avoidance. Guess what I found? What'd you find, Margaret? Nothing. 
okay? Um, now, if you, this most similar thing to it would be borderline personality disorder. Mm -hmm. And if you look for self-help for borderline personality disorder, there's tons of stuff on the computer. When I began in this field, however many years ago, borderlines were just written off as terrible people mm -hmm. uh, that no one wanted to work with. Yeah. There's still some of that out there, but we've come miles, all right? There are groups for borderlines online. There's all kinds of stuff, okay? But I think one of the very best places to start would be with the workbooks that Craig has put out. Yep. Okay, because you can do those, it's anonymous, you can do them on your own time, you don't feel like anybody's pushing you, and you're bound to gain some insight. Absolutely. Okay. And not, now the course is out, the creative yep. healing course, and it's so focused on healing those issues yep. as well. Yep. And lots of great creative ways to use it other than just words as well yep. with this course. So I'm very proud of that and how it turned out. Now the partners of avoidance um, beat themselves up and they're sure that they pushed them too hard, they smothered them, they asked for too much, they acted needy and they said the wrong things and people go over it and over it and over it in their mind and it's not their fault. It's not the partner's fault either. Mm -hmm. um, it's part of the human condition. The question is what to do with it. So anyway, stop beating yourself up. When he or she says I want to be self-reliant and I can't be in a relationship right now. It's not your fault. Okay? Mm -hmm. Now, here are the things that an avoidant person would like to hear from a partner. Okay. All right? This is now, big. You don't say these mm -hmm. things if you don't mean it because the implications are huge. Okay. okay? Now, what does the avoidant want to hear? I will love you without demanding anything from you. <gasps> But I want to be anxious and demand. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Okay. I will love you without smothering you or controlling you. But I want to smother and control you. Yeah. <laughs> Said will, the anxious partner. That's right. I will love you for who you are and not expect you to change yourself. But I want to change you. <laughs> I'll be quiet. You don't have any self-esteem anyway. Listen, I'm speaking for the unconscious of all the anxious people. <laughs> all you have to do is decide to let me love you. All you have to do is meet every unmet need I've ever had. Right. But the words, all you have to do is let me love you, reminded me of a song. Okay. That you very well may know. Um, or perhaps it's again from the Dark Ages, although Craig knew it. I didn't know it. Okay. This is a song by the Eagles, although I think several other people did it. And it's called Desperado. Mm -hmm. It came out in 1973, and of course I listened to it hot off the press. You mm -hmm. did not. <laughs> I wasn't even here yet. No, you weren't even here yet. Right. Uh, and it's a woman, I think, singing to, I think it's a cowboy. And when they used to talk about desperados in the Old West, it was a Spanish word for somebody who was on the run from the law. Okay, and probably in desperate straits. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the woman says, she's singing to the guy and she says, You're a hard one, but I know you got your reasons. Desperado, oh, you ain't getting no younger. Your pain and your hunger are driving you home. And freedom, oh, freedom, well, that's just some people talking. Your prison is walking through this world all alone. 
Okay. Wow. Desperado, why don't you come to your senses? Come down from your fences and open the gate. It may be raining, but there's a rainbow above you. You better let somebody love you before it's too late. Good stuff. Okay. All right. All right. So we're not going to give up on avoidance or disorganized folks. That's right. We're going to see if we can reach them where they are. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So hopefully you enjoyed this one. Make sure you give Margaret a thumbs up for the research on this one. And of course, if you want to get my help personally, just go to AskCraig.net. Sign up for the coaching option that works best for you. I do email coaching and I do Skype. And of course, Margaret is available for Skype coaching. If you feel that I can be helpful, please sign up. Just click on Margaret on the top of the website to do that. That's it for this video. I'm Coach Craig Kenneth. I'm Coach Margaret. And we will talk with you soon.